and welcome to Life in a Backpack, where we talk about minimalism, traveling the world, and working online. Today, I wanted to talk specifically about digital clutter. And the reason why I want to talk about this is because I think it's kind of an interesting crevice within the whole minimalism bubble, in the sense that when most people decide that they want to pursue minimalism, the main thing that they will cite is that they feel mentally cluttered, right? So they feel as though there's too much going on in their minds, they're suffering from things like decision fatigue, they look around in their environment and there's just stuff all over the place, and it's very mentally exhausting for them. And yet then there's a discrepancy when they go to declutter in that they declutter most of their physical environment, right? Like they go through all their books, they throw out all their DVDs, all their outdated technology, they clear out their garage, and then they pretty much consider themselves 90% done. And I've always found this to be kind of an interesting logical flaw in a sense, because even though most of the physical stuff is gone, in reality, we spend most of our time, or a lot of us at least, spend a lot of our time on our laptops and kind of in the digital world. And even though our bodies are still in this physical world that we've already decluttered, our brains are living essentially in our laptops and in other digital devices. Digital devices as a result of that can be an equally legitimate source of mental clutter, just like our physical surroundings. So if, if you feel mentally cluttered, usually it's not enough to just say, okay, well, I'm going to go through my drawers and I'm going to go through my closet and I'm going to go through my DVD collection, because a lot of the mental clutter actually comes from where your brain spends a lot of its time, which is in your laptop, in your phone, your ebook, what other, whatever other digital devices you have for the duration of this episode and when you're kind of thinking about digital clutter and digital downsizing in general, I would encourage you to think of your laptop not just as this thing that can be put away and that occupies a really, really small space and that actually doesn't contribute much to clutter, but that your brain actually spends a lot of its day in, right? So think of it a little bit like a house, the house being your laptop, and it's a physical house just like any other, right? That your brain can access even though your body can't. And you have a front entrance where you look at your desktop and there's a whole bunch of icons, i.e. doors that lead to different things. You have a room with a bunch of like files and folders. You have different rooms where you can accomplish different things. You probably have a movie room and a music listening room and so on. And that's kind of the setup of your laptop. And you can think of that kind of metaphorically as a house that your brain spends time in. So I wanted to just kind of linger on the different types of digital clutter that exist for a while and talk about kind of the different categories of digital clutter that we have and ultimately get to the source of some of the mental clutter that people still experience and some of the frustration also that people get when they physically decluttered a lot of their house and a lot of the physical spaces that they occupy, but they haven't actually gotten around to doing a lot of this digital decluttering because they don't necessarily see it as being equally legitimate and having as much merit as getting rid of all the physical clutters that they see and that they experience and that is more tangible to them. And so I thought about this for a while and I looked kind of back on my own very messy laptop and trust me when I say I had the messiest laptop. I had about like a hundred icons. I had this desktop wallpaper of this random dress that I wanted to buy two years ago. I've literally no idea how that became my desktop background, but it was. I had things like files that were named document number one, document two, document number three. I had things just like named with random letters, not organized into files in any way whatsoever. 
I had tons of files that I hadn't opened yet at all. Yeah, like it was a complete disaster. And that's not to say it's absolutely perfect now. This is still a work in progress for me because I've actually found it to be significantly more challenging to keep my digital life kind of under control and under wraps than my physical life, which I found to be kind of easy because it's always like right in front of you. If you see a piece of clutter in your bedroom or in your kitchen or something like that, it's very easy to keep on top of that and very easy for it to bug you and for you to get rid of it. But the challenge with digital clutter is that it kind of hides. If you don't ever open the file, or if you don't ever open the folder rather, then you'll never necessarily see the files that are in it. You'll never know what they are because they're not named properly and so on. And if you never go through your icons, they just kind of sit there. And so you get this kind of vague feeling of clutter, even though you don't necessarily see all of the clutter right in front of you every single day, because you just kind of stash it away, just like you would stash something away into a closet or into a wardrobe, and then you never actually look at it. So I think there's kind of five general categories of clutter that people have here. And the one, the first one is general clutter. And general clutter is really anything that you don't need that's just kind of sitting there. And again, this is a bit analogous to physical clutter that you might have that is completely random and you don't know why it's there and you never used it. So like old pens that don't work anymore and dresses that you haven't worn in five years and things like that. And that also exists on your laptop and in your other digital spaces. The second is organizational clutter. This is not necessarily having a lot of things that you don't really need, but just not having them organized properly. So if you're a really lazy person the way I am, you've probably named some of your documents, document number one, document two, temp file, something like that. And you just don't have a very organized space. So even though you have all the things that you need, you don't necessarily know where you're ever going to find them again. The third is additions. And this is kind of an outlier category because it's things that would keep us on track and would keep us organized and would make us happier and more productive and mentally more at peace, but we don't necessarily have enough of it. So this is kind of the antithesis of decluttering in the sense that we're going to look a little bit at the things that you can actually add to make your workspace a little bit more streamlined. The fourth one is stressors. And this is one that I think is undervalued both digitally and physically. And that's just things where you walk into a space or you go into a digital space in your mind and you see things and they immediately stress you out and then they distract you from the thing that you were actually working on or just kind of raise the level of anxiety in your brain and that affect you as you go about your day. So for example, if you're financially really stressed and you see your bills on the table or you see your online banking pop up immediately, that's something that might negate you in the back of your mind as you're trying to work on something else. And there's kind of two types of anxiety, that, and you may have heard this before because it's a very commonly discussed thing in minimalist circles. And the first one is this the kind of anxiety that will actually accomplish something because anxiety has a purpose and that purpose is to make you do things that if you don't do them, it's going to cause you some sort of harm. And there's some anxiety that is productive and that works to your benefit. But then there's also this lingering sort of negative and less productive anxiety. And this is a type of that latter category of anxiety in the sense that regardless of whether you tackle your online banking or your unpaid bills now or later, it's going to be the same amount. So you may as well put it aside for now, accomplish the other thing that you're going to accomplish, and then come to that and tackle that when you have time. 
And there's a kind of a good half of that, that anxiety as well, in the sense that you want to have a little bit of anxiety about your finances, because if your credit card bills never get paid, and they totally ruin your life, and your credit gets ruined, and then you can't take on any more debt, and you can't pay with a credit card, and you're getting sued, and all those things, that's a very, very bad thing, right? So to an extent, a small dose of that anxiety when you see your unpaid bills is a good thing. But when it comes to it being in your face all the time, when you're trying to accomplish something else that's gone beyond the point where it's actually productive. And then the last one is this category of distractibles. And that's kind of things where your monkey hindbrain is trying to convince you to do things, usually to procrastinate, that distract you from the things that you actually want to be doing. So this is things like, for example, the movies you might have, or having Netflix as your home webpage, or things like that. Just anything where you look at it and you want to do that instead of the thing that you were initially planning on doing. So those are the different categories that we're going to look at and hopefully after this you can kind of go through them one by one and tackle them individually as you go through your digital workspace. So starting at the beginning here with general clutter. I think this is a good category to start with, first of all, because it's oftentimes a very easy category. It's not something, it's not the kind of thing where you need to go through in meticulous detail and look through every single little thing. It's the kind of thing where you can just work in large swaths and get rid of huge amounts of stuff in a very short period of time. And it gives you a little bit of a motivational boost. And secondly, when you are getting rid of those huge swaths of things, it also gives you a little bit of digital space to actually work. So when you have less clutter, when you have less files to go through, when you have less folders, it makes it a lot less intimidating to go through the other stuff with more of a fine-toothed comb to make sure that you're organizing the other things the way you need to. So if you're going to declutter your digital workspace, I would suggest just doing a general sweep through first and looking at some of the general clutter that you have. Types of general clutter. So the first thing I think to start with, just because it sometimes takes a while for your computer to physically get through it, is old programs that you don't use anymore. Because these take up a lot of space on your computer that you could otherwise be using for other things like files or different programs that you want to run. And they really slow down your computer as well, because when your hard drive is full, your computer actually has less space to work as well. And so it also slows down the performance of your computer. So it's a good thing to get rid of those things, especially if the programs are really, really big. The other thing is that programs also generate a lot of files on their own. You probably have a desktop icon, things like that. So by getting rid of the programs, you're actually stripping out some other things as well. So just go in and look at everything you have installed. And if it's something that you haven't used in forever or that you used one time five years ago when you got your laptop, or even if it came pre-installed on your laptop, it's a good thing to get rid of those right off the bat. Those are really easy to do. Now, a lot of those programs also means a lot of icons. And your desktop, I think, is the kind of thing that is good to declutter simply because it's the first thing you see in the morning. And if the first thing you see in the morning is this completely overwhelming thing of, oh no, there's so many icons and I don't know where my files are from yesterday and I don't know where the one is that I need, that just kind of creates this like slight mental irritation that kind of stays with you. Whereas opening up your desktop and seeing a nice clean space is something that seems very refreshing and I think gets you off on the right foot in the morning when you're starting to work. So just going through your icons as your programs are uninstalling and getting rid of icons that you don't really need 
and icon is intended to be a shortcut, right? So really all most of us need is about maybe 10 icons or something like that on our desktop. And then kind of staying on that same trajectory, unused files. So unused files are a, a bit more of an intimidating category just because there's some things where you don't quite know what it is and you're not really sure, okay, should I go through each of these individually and open them? So I would say just for the general clutter, don't go through every single unused file that you have. Just like the stuff where you're absolutely certain. If there's a cat video that you saved five years ago that you definitely don't need anymore, then get rid of that kind of stuff. Because unused files kind of follow this 80-20 rule where 20% of the stuff will take you 80% of the time to get through and 80% of the stuff 20% of the time. So if you get can get rid of that initial 80% of the stuff where you look at it, you immediately know what it is and you immediately know that you don't need it anymore. That already gives you a lot of progress and a lot of space to work. And some of the other files where you actually do need to sit down and sort through them individually, that's something that can be done in another category when you have a little bit more time, because that's more granular work that will probably take a little bit more effort and mental energy to get through. So those are kind of the initial things that sit in the back corner of your laptop somewhere and never get touched. Definitely if you can sit down and just get rid of the programs, just get rid of the icons, just get rid of some files that you don't use anymore, that's already a significant amount of progress. But another category within the general clutter sort of realm is the things that just kind of pop up again and again, where you just never find the time to actually deal with them. So this is things like a trial on an antivirus that came pre-installed. It's things like notifications that you don't remember ever subscribing to and you just see them all the time and just kind of swipe them away and get rid of them, things like that. So for example, programs that open when you turn on your computer, right? So I had this issue for a long time where things like Discord and like my antivirus software and things like that would open automatically every time I started my computer. And it was like really irritating and just a really momentum killing way to open my laptop and start working because I had to sit there and wait for them to all start up and then X them out even though I actually didn't need them. And then similarly, things like notifications that you actually accidentally turned on, pop-ups, things like that. Figure out where they're coming from. Just anything that pops up in your mind as being annoying, get rid of them. And you can kind of do a similar thing on your social media. So a lot of us have like a thousand plus Facebook friends, when in reality, we haven't even met 90% of the people that we're friends with on Facebook. Totally fine. I mean, you know, Facebook friend and real friend is understood to be a completely different concept. But nevertheless, you know, if you're following a lot of people, then that really clutters your stream. If you use social media or having a lot of Facebook friends whose updates you see, who like you don't even really know who they are, things like that. So just going through your social media and getting rid of the follows and getting rid of the friends that you don't know and will never see again, that really helps to make it a lot less exhausting and helps you helps to prevent you from staying on social media for hours and hours on end and just scrolling past content that you don't really want to see. In kind of the general realm of online accounts as well, Another type of clutter I think that people don't really think about is how many online accounts we actually have. I heard a stat which said that the average person has about 100 to 200 online accounts. And this was a stat that was from a few years ago. So I imagine that's probably higher because if you think about how many times you 
created an online account for like a completely random thing. I'm sure I create an online account at least once a week for something because you just need that account for everything. And so this is something that's a bit more time consuming just because you need to remember all of the online accounts that you actually have. But if you have some time, just go through and if you can, for that particular service and where you live, if you can request the deletion of your data, if that's something that's important to you, then that's definitely something I'd suggest doing because sometimes if you delete the account, then that gives you very limited ability to go back and say, hey, can you please delete my personal information? If you're somebody who's concerned about privacy, but you're not actually able to request that they delete your data outright, another thing you could do is try and overwrite your data. So for example, you can like edit your comments, you can edit your address, you can edit your name and just kind of blank it out, um, put like not applicable or deleted or something like that. This may or may not work. It really depends on where you live and what the data privacy rules are there and on the company itself and its own internal policies, but certainly it's better than doing nothing from a privacy perspective. And then just kind of deleting some of those online accounts. And again, like we have so many of these online accounts, you're not going to get rid of them all in one shot, simply because you're probably not even aware of all the online accounts you have. If you're somebody who does keep track of them, then congratulations, you are a better person than I. But if you don't even remember what online accounts you have, something that I found really helpful in terms of actually remembering is going into your password manager if that's something that you use. So this is usually unique to your browser and it's just that thing that saves all of your usernames and passwords so that when you go on a website and are at the login page, it automatically fills your login information. And so when you go into your browser, there's usually someplace in the settings somewhere where you can actually find all your usernames and passwords and what websites they're linked to. So if you just open that, you can see all the different websites where you have some sort of login credential, which usually correlates with an online account. So if you're looking for kind of a list or you're looking for something to jog your memory as to which online accounts you actually have, that's a good resource to exploit. And then staying on the topic of companies wanting things from you, another thing to remember to do is to unsubscribe from emails and to get rid of your junk emails, just like emails that you've never opened that came from companies that you subscribed to at one point. Email is such a notorious one that you might even get a little bit annoyed just thinking about your email and the massive, massive amounts of unread emails that you have and of emails that you get every single day trying to sell you crap that you don't want. So if, if nothing else, if you can accomplish just that, then for a lot of people, that's already a big feat. I know I felt a lot better when I read through my email. So the way I did this personally, and what I think is like a decently good methodology, is just start scrolling through to see which companies send you emails every week that you don't want. So if you get an email from a company called Hello123, then just open one of their emails, go down, click unsubscribe to make sure you don't get any more emails from them. And then just type into your search bar, hello123, and mass select all of their emails, unless there's particular emails that you want to keep, and just delete them en masse. If you go through a few pages of your email and just do this with all the companies that pop up, those are just generally going to be the companies that email you the most frequently. So those are the most email backlogs that you're going to have and the ones that you'll get spammed by the most. 
So if you can just get through a few pages worth of people sending you emails, then you'll find that your inbox already shrinks by about half. Mine went down by more than half just doing that with like a handful of different companies that were absolutely just like spamming the crap out of me. And you can also do the same thing on your phone. So a lot of us, you're either the kind of person who does this or the kind of person who doesn't. But a lot of us download apps from different companies in order to take advantage of promotions and stuff like that. I know I have these on my phone. So going through the apps on your phone on a regular basis is, is a good idea, especially if you have an app that you got like a year ago because you wanted some french fries and now it's a year later and the french fries have been eaten and they tasted good for five minutes and now you still have their app and it has your information and it's sitting there every single day on your phone go through those, delete all those apps. Honestly, in my personal opinion, those apps are almost never worth the free stuff with one or two exceptions. I would rather just pay for my french fries or not go out of my way to get the free french fries and not install the app. Just because to me, it takes too much mental energy at this point. Though when I was like really, really broke and first starting university, they were a lifesaver because I got like a lot of free coffees and burritos and things like that. So that's really your choice, but definitely once in a while going through them to make sure you're not keeping things that you're never using is a good idea. And then the last thing in, in kind of this general clutter category is kind of an indulgence in my personal opinion, because it's something that really improves something that you work with and really enjoy. And that is your music and movie collection. So if you think about your music collection, if you think about your movie collection, that's usually something you access during your leisure time. And it's something that brings you a lot of pleasure, right? So like, for example, I love my music collection. I love the album artwork. I love just going through and listening to, to different albums with like really good headphones on, things like that. Those are just some like really enjoyable and relaxing times. Or just sitting down in the evening with like some Chinese food and watching a movie that I've watched about 10,000 times and I'm watching for the 10,000th and first time is just the ultimate sort of mental comfort and the ultimate leisure time. So you're really doing yourself a huge disservice by keeping those things cluttered. So just going through your music collection and just deleting music that you don't listen to very often or don't listen to at all and haven't in years. This is just my personal opinion, but I like just deleting music that I've had for a long time that I'm really not that into anymore. So for example, a few years ago, I was in an oldies 1980s classic rock phase, and I've since kind of grown out of that a little bit. But what I find kind of as a side effect is by deleting some of that stuff, especially songs where like I would still listen to them on occasion, but the songs were always just kind of okay rather than great like oh yeah this is an okay song if I'm just like working and don't have time to pick a song in my playlist but it's not like a kind of song that I would ever actively go look for and listen to. I found that like initially I was kind of worried about getting rid of that song because I'd be worried that I would miss it and then want to have it back afterwards but honestly like if you want to have the song back you can always just re-add it to your library and I found that what this really helped me to do is it encouraged me to go pursue new music and to go discover different music that I really liked and was into at the time. 
because all of a sudden my playlist had shrunk by quite a bit. So I kind of got this organic spark of like, oh no, I need new music. I don't have any music. I always listen to the same music. So I think downsizing your library is really just like swapping out your library and refreshing it with new stuff. And discovering new music in and of itself is a really pleasurable thing and something that I really enjoy doing. So if you're that kind of person and if you have those like mediocre songs in your playlist, I would encourage you to try getting rid of them to see if that's something that also works really well for you. And then the same thing for movies. I'm not a huge movie person, so I apologize that I can't really relate to the movie buffs, but I'm the kind of person I just have like the same 10 movies that I watch over and over again. For example, my favorite movie is The F Word, which has um, Adam Driver and Daniel Radcliffe, which I highly recommend. And that's just like my number one comfort movie. But I just kind of, yeah, cycle through like the same 10, 12 movies all the time. And so for me, this was pretty simple. I just got rid of some stuff that was kind of trendy at one point or that I watched once and didn't really like or that I just bought because it was really cheap. And now all the movies I have are my favorite movies. And there's no movies where it's like, do I really want to watch that again? Or like, you know, movies that were kind of trash, things like that. So yeah, your music and movie collection, this is your personal time. This is your pleasure time. This is your leisure time. So decluttering that is definitely something that future you will really appreciate you for. So onto the second category now, which is organization. And I would really encourage you to only approach this once you've done some general decluttering, because this is essentially just a fancy way of saying you need to go through all your files and all your folders and figure out what's there and actually name it properly so that you can find it again one day when you do need it. I think before you do this, it's worth considering how exactly you want your organizational system to work. Because just like you have an organizational system in your kitchen or your closet, or you have particular rooms and cupboards and storage spaces for things, the same goes for your laptop. So personally, I like a very vertical organizational system, which means that I like to have a lot of different folders and subfolders and sub-subfolders and sub-sub-subfolders, and then just kind of like throwing the files into these sub-sub-subfolders. Whereas some people just like to have like very general categories, right? So they might have a folder that says work stuff, and then they won't have very many subfolders, and they'll just kind of meticulously name all of the different files that they have inside it. Whereas I prefer to say, okay, so like there's work stuff and then there's project number one and then there's the audio files for project number one and then there's the publications for project number one and then there's the visuals for project number one and so on. Or even like within project number one to say like, you know, another subfolder for first edit, second edit, third edit, things like that. So just kind of having subfolders on top of subfolders on top of subfolders, kind of like nesting dolls. So that's an organizational system that works really well for me because try as I might, I'm still very lazy with naming my files, which I'm working on. But that's kind of something that I prefer because it just feels very simplistic and I can go to the exact place that I want to go in order to find the thing that I need. And I also find it much easier when I'm saving new files to put it in the correct place. 
but it's worth considering like, you know, do I want my folders to be on my desktop? Do I want them to be all in my documents? Do I want to use my downloads folder? Things like that. And just, and just kind of like looking at your laptop and looking at the default layout of your laptop and figuring out how you want to access particular things and how you want to organize particular things. And then for the files themselves, so this is really, really tedious work, but you will thank yourself once you're done because you'll only have to go through it once. And then hopefully, hopefully you will name your files properly from now on. So I, like I said, I'm like a very lazy namer of files. And so if you're in the same boat as me, what I like to do rather than saying like project number one file on this date at this time with this person and so on the way some people name their files, I just like throw in some like random keywords that I know I can use to find it within that folder. And again, I don't have very many files in each folder anyway. So even if I had to look by hand, I could probably find it. So for example, if I was saving a picture that is associated with a particular podcast episode, then I would just like write keywords of what the picture is of, that it. I would put things like podcast, episode, 10 blah 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 right so that I just kind of can search it next time and have like a couple of keywords and be able to find that file again if I need to access it again and then the last thing is just kind of to have sort of an archive system so we all kind of have two different categories of files and one is files that we come back to again and again and again and the other stuff is like just in case I need to refer back to this so it really depends. I don't really separate my archives. I just kind of have separate folders where I know like, okay, well, this isn't something that I really need to look at. Some people like to have a completely separate archives folder or even to keep their archives on the cloud. What you do with that is completely up to you. But again, it's worth considering when you come across a file that you know you're not going to use for a really long time, but still want to keep, then it's worth considering whether you really want to intermingle those in within the files that you use on a regular basis, because for a lot of people that feels very cluttered. Whereas just having the files that you know you're going to need on a regular basis just feels very streamlined and feels very fresh and clean and very minimal. So that might be something worth looking into to kind of keep things a little bit more under control and to keep the clutter to a minimum. So I'm just going to skip the additions category just for now because I think this is a nice little cherry on top to do at the end so I'll come back to that in just a second but first I'm going to talk about stressors and stressors is the kind of category that again just encompasses things on your laptop that really stress you out and distract you from the things that you're trying to do so for example a lot of us have online banking that pops up right away when we open our web browser or a lot of us have shortcuts to social media and even if we don't use that shortcut just seeing the icon if social media is a stressor for you is something that can kind of tip you off and make you think about that social media and stress you out unintentionally right and that can kind of stay in the back of your mind while you're working on the thing that you intended to work on or for example a lot of us have like a lot of organizational tools so i personally really like my calendar on my desktop i have a very simplistic calendar that i use but some people might feel very differently so if you're the kind of person who has your calendar and you have all your like calendar reminders on your desktop and that's something where you just like open your laptop and you look at it and you immediately kind of freak out and think oh my gosh i have so much to do and oh look i forgot about that 
right, then just kind of like put that to the side and take it off of your desktop and set aside time every day where you can deliberately set aside some time and some mental energy to go through your calendar and to make sure that that stress is actually something that remains productive to you and so that you can control your access to the things that you're stressed out about. Because I find that with anxiety in general, surrounding certain things like finances or like your to-do list, if you just set aside a very specific time where you know you're going to tackle that, then that gives you a lot more mental freedom to work on other things during other periods of time where that's not something that you want to be thinking about at the moment. Because you know it's going to get done, you know you're going to set time aside for it, but it's happening in a very controlled way and at a time that works for you and when you have the mental capacity and resources to actually tackle those things. So stressors, you know what your stresses are, you know what your triggers are, but if you have visual reminders of them, if it's something that pops up when you turn on your computer, if it's one of your home pages, then just make sure that that's something that you're accessing in a more controlled and artificial way so that it's not always nagging at you when you're trying to do other things and cluttering up your brain. The second to last category is very similar to the stressors category, and that is this category of distractors. And distractors, again, is anything where it can take you away from the task that you're trying to accomplish, either because it just tips you off and attracts you to that particular thing, or because it's an attempt on your part to procrastinate. And so this is things like, for example, Netflix. So you might not be thinking about Netflix when you first open your computer, but then all of a sudden you open your browser and it's there from last time. It, especially if you're the kind of person like me who like never closes all their tabs. And then like once a month when you actually do close your tabs, it's like, hi, would you like to close these 500 tabs? And then you do, right? So if like it's like a tab that you always have open, then that's something that you're more inclined to gravitate towards because we're very controlled a lot of the time by just like visual cues that we have in our our environment. Similar for things like gaming. So if you have like a gaming app and you have the, like the desktop icon on your computer and it's the first thing you see when you open up your computer, then that's something you're with increasing increased likelihood going to click on and you're going to spend three hours gaming instead of three hours working on whatever report you were trying to do. And then most notorious I think in this category is notifications. You probably weren't planning on opening Facebook, you weren't planning on opening Instagram, but because you got a notification for it, you happened to think about that. And it's a very deceiving thing where you think like, oh, well, I'm just going to take five minutes to reply to this person. And then you see a couple of other people and you're like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to chat with this person and see what's going on with them. And like, oh, well, I haven't told this person when I'm going to come to pick up their items. So I'm just going to like arrange a time with them now. And then you scroll through your feed and you see something interesting in your feed and you click on that thing in your feed. And all of a sudden you've spent like two hours on social media when in reality, the only thing you wanted to do was click on that notification and reply to that one person. So notifications, unless you're the kind of person who is way more disciplined than I am, again, good for you if you're better than me. I'm a mere mortal and I get sucked into these vortices. So for me, getting rid of pretty much all of my notifications was by far the best thing to do. 
And then also keep in mind that you can temporarily turn off your notifications, right? So some phones will have a feature for this where you can just like blanket turn off all of your notifications for a period of time that you're working. So I do Pomodoro a lot of the time, which is a technique for staying focused and working for extended periods of time, which you can look at if that's something that you're interested in. But during my Pomodoro time, which is about like three hours at a time for me of working, I just like turn off all of my notifications so that I can't see what's happening on my phone and I can't see who just texted me. Or if there's one person in particular who keeps texting you and you just like don't want to deal with them at the moment, you can mute that particular person and just like reply to them later on or whatever it is that you need. And then as a more permanent solution, I know that a lot of people who declutter also want to declutter some of their bad habits. So if you're the kind of person who's thinking of doing a one month social media strike and you want to try and see what life is like using less social media, a lot of times we just gravitate to the thing that is easiest to access. So for example, to like just open up Instagram on your computer or on your phone is like a very easy thing because it's very low barrier. You just click on the app and all of a sudden your home feed pops up. But if you're the kind of person who's looking to use social media less, then my suggestion would be to just like go through and at, at the very least log out of all those things and delete all your shortcuts and make it a bit harder for yourself so that when you do want to use Instagram or when you do want to access like a video game or something like that, it's just that one step harder. And any time where you don't really, really, really want to use it, You'll just like open it and be like, oh, I don't want to log in right now. That's a lot of effort. And that tiny bit of additional effort is actually going to discourage you from pursuing that bad habit that you want to that you that you want to discourage within yourself. So that's something that I found to be very effective as well. But yeah, like anything that is on your laptop that's distracting you from the main thing that you're doing, or anything that just kind of lingers in the back of your mind and doesn't really need to be there getting rid of that, even if it's just like a tiny visual cue or a tiny five second distraction is something that really adds up and makes a really big difference. And the last category is these additions that you can make. And there's kind of two reasons why I kept this for last and why I would suggest keeping them for last when you're trying to organize your clutter and your digital workspace. And the first one is just that it's like this nice sort of cherry on top that gives you this sense of completion and this sense of being fresh and being decluttered and having this nice new workspace, right? It's always nice to kind of polish things off after you're done with it. And I think that offers a very satisfying feeling. Whereas if you still have clutter and you're like already adding new stuff, then you never really have that sense of completion and that sense of like having like a really approachable workspace. So I personally like to keep those little goodies until I'm done all of like the dirty work that I need to do. And then second is because I don't think all clutter is necessarily a bad thing. I think that there's utility in clutter in the sense that it encourages you to take some risks and do things that you otherwise wouldn't do in very micro level ways. So for example, if you're somebody who is never really interested in painting, but all of a sudden somebody puts a blank canvas in your living room, then you're much more inclined to just walk over to the canvas one day and just kind of like start drawing and just kind of see what happens. And that can really lead to something that can lead to a new hobby or that can lead to you becoming like the next Picasso. Or it can lead to just saying like, look, 
art isn't for me, I've tried it, look at the mess I made, and I'm gonna get rid of this now. But in any event, I think just having a little bit of clutter is actually a form of inspiration, and it allows us to kind of push our own personal boundaries and inspires us to kind of try new things and get out of our comfort zone a little bit. And I think by selectively introducing clutter, especially in your digital space, you can pick and choose the things that you want to push yourself to try more of and inspire yourself to lower that barrier of entry and to engage with some of that new content. And not only that, but you're going to reduce the barrier of entry either for new things that you want to try or for work that's very difficult to do that you keep putting off just by having less clutter and by experiencing less decision fatigue and by all the other things that you've already done previously to clean up your workspace. So a few things to consider, but really this is like a highly customizable category. So I'd encourage you to just search your intuition a little bit and figure out what you kind of want your personal workspace to look like and what sort of feel you want to get out of it. Because this is something that's just my own personal preference and something that really added value to me. But the things for you are inevitably going to be different from what really adds value to my own personal workspace. But what I did firstly is I installed an internet blocker. So time is, in my mind, a very valuable commodity. If you consider time a commodity, you'll recognize that it's the only commodity that we inherently ever have, right? And we spend our entire lives trading the commodity of time for other things that we want. So for example, when we go to work, we trade time for money, and indirectly then we trade that money for resources like food, like shelter, things like that. But that all originates from our time. Or we trade time, sometimes when we spend time with people, we trade it for social relationships. Or we trade it for pleasure when we play games and things like that. But I really hate wasting my time just because it's such a precious commodity and we all have this set limited number of hours, right? Regardless of whether you're like the average Joe or whether you're Bill Gates, we all get the same amount of time in every day and it's, it's a commodity that everybody wants more of. So with that kind of philosophy in mind, it really bugs me when I find out that I've spent like five hours just like aimlessly browsing the internet. So I installed an internet blocker. I chose cold turkey, which this is like not an advertisement. It's just the one that I use. I like it. It's completely free. And I put in some of the websites that were high distractibles for me and that I spent too much time on. And basically after 30 minutes, the website goes kaput and the internet blocker blocks you from looking at that website any further. And you can either have a manual override, or a great thing that I find personally is when there's no manual override switch, like you physically just have to either wait it out or install or uninstall the internet blocker in its entirety, right? So that's something that really helped me because when all of a sudden your, your addiction gets taken away from you, or your distraction rather if you prefer, then all of a sudden like you're you're you snap back into reality and you redirect your attention to something else that hopefully is going to be more productive or bring out more value to your life than just just this kind of like mindless scrolling the second thing i added was a calendar now i had a not very good calendar system before but the one i have now sits right on my desktop which is my own personal preference and I just like it because it's like this 1990s uber simplistic calendar app where you can just like physically click on the box and type things in. 
I'm not the kind of person who like wants very fancy features. I literally just want to have my own extremely messy notes because they're my own personal version of organized. So I have that calendar on my desktop and I can just kind of look at it and see where my life is and the things that I need to do that I would otherwise forget. So yeah, like this is like a very simplistic like four megabyte calendar app. Obviously feel free to scale that up if you're somebody who likes a higher level of of integration with your other devices and you like notifications and things like that. There are definitely fancier calendar apps out there, especially if you're willing to pay for them. But I really thought that it was very valuable to have this, this simplistic calendar app on my desktop. The third thing I did is I made some aesthetic changes. So for example, I added like a new desktop background. Again, like I had this very crappy desktop background that got there for like no particular reason before. And I think like, I just like really get like a small amount of pleasure from just like occasionally refreshing my desktop background and having this nice new feel. And so I personally just like, you know, different sceneries, sometimes, you know, places that I've been to, or sometimes just like really nice nature photography. I like pictures of the Rocky Mountains in particular and of night skies. So just like having kind of a role of, of desktop backgrounds, um, I, I really like that. And I think like the new aesthetic kind of gives you like a blank slate to work off of as well. And then the last thing I did was I added some new music. And this is kind of what I mean by adding some inspiration, right? So like I said, I really like exploring new music and at the time kind of felt like I was in a bit of a rut. So I just like added some new playlists that were kind of in niche categories that I hadn't explored before and that would be easily accessible to me. And I'm the kind of person like I still purchase music um, because deep inside I'm an old woman sitting in a rocking chair. And yeah, so like I still buy all of my music from iTunes and you can tell me that it's more expensive, blah, blah, blah. But I just like the idea of owning my music outright. And in particular, I really hate being tied to a subscription, right? Because at that point I'm committing myself to like $5.99 a month for the rest of my life. And my music library is at the mercy of their desire to raise their prices or to just like cancel their service or things like that. And I just like owning my music, even if it's just a digital copy. And even if that's like not a flawless system, right? So I buy all of my music. So I purchased some new music. I just like set aside a small amount of money for it. I actually had a gift card at the time and just, just to kind of like explore a bit new music. And every time I open my my music app now on my on my computer where I usually spend the majority of the time listening to music I have that new music and I did that with like my other devices as well like I put a couple of new ebooks onto my kindle used a couple of new audiobooks like I use audible to like listen to different audiobooks and so yeah like just kind of adding some of that content that I really wanted to get into kind of books to to push my boundaries a little bit and look into some new genres. In particular, I'd like to get into more fiction novels and things like that. And yeah, so like just 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 kind of giving myself a little bit of inspiration and making that inspiration easily accessible so that even if I'm tired at the end of the day, I can still pursue that and still get this like spark of a new addition to my life in the form of a book or in the form of new music. 
or something along those lines. So if there's something that you really want to give yourself more exposure to, whether it be a book or whether it be music or whether it be a particular program or game or whatever it is that you feel adds value to you. For example, if you want to learn to play piano, then maybe just having some piano tutorials or or something of that sort. And whatever it is that that you feel would add additional value and that would provide you with some inspiration and would push you to get into new things, I think is worthwhile in terms of adding to to your digital workspace. And again, like decluttering is always a continuous process. Definitely, I don't like every single piece of new music that I buy. And so eventually, I'm just going to have to to sacrifice the $1.29 that each song costs and just get rid of it. I'm, I'm totally okay with that. And likewise, when you add a new book or a new piece of music, then you're not going to like every single one. And to declutter the things that aren't valuable to you anymore is completely fair and something that's to be expected. But if there's new stuff you want to get into, add it and see what happens. It can't hurt to get some new inspiration. So that brings us almost to the end of of this episode, but I just wanted to kind of come back to what I said right from the outset, which is bringing back this analogy of thinking of your workspace as a physical house. Because even though your body is not inside your computer, your brain is certainly inside your computer. And that affects your mood, that affects your level of focus, that affects your level of distractibility, that affects your anxiety, that affects the clutter that you have in your mind, just as it does to have a messy house or a messy office or another messy physical space that you spend a lot of time in. Even though it's something where you can just turn off your laptop and it seems like it's gone away, it's actually still there. So just keep this analogy in mind and make sure that you're treating the digital clutter that you have seriously because it's just like your brain is walking into a house and going through all the rooms. And if there are filing cabinets full of files that are completely disorganized and you don't know what they are, or if there's laundry all over the living room, or if you walk into the entrance and there's like 50 different doors and you don't know which door to go into to find the correct thing, then that's very mentally exhausting. And when you have a really cluttered workspace, that's exactly what you're trying to do to your brain. And so by the time you figure out the right door and you find the right file in the filing cabinet and you clean up all the laundry and things like that, you're already really mentally exhausted, right? And you don't even necessarily want to get to the thing that you wanted to do. So do take that seriously. If you feel that you're mentally cluttered, then it's probably because you are, even though it's not necessarily something that you can physically pick up a touch. It's still there. It's still in your brain. So hopefully this gives you a little bit of inspiration for now, and we will see you again next time.